Welcome to Advice Worth Keeping. Today we're bringing you a special episode that spotlights risk and compliance topics through conversations hosted between KPMG partners and business leaders. One of our partners, Dilip Rodrigo, recently had a chance to connect with leaders from Teva Pharmaceuticals and Amgen. They discussed the impacts of COVID-19 on their organizations and their plans for moving forward. Dilip, over to you. Hi, I'm your host, Dilip Rodrigo. I'm a principal at KPMG and the U.S. commercial lineup business leader for Risk Advisory Solutions. In today's episode, we explore the impact of COVID-19 within our life sciences industry. My first panelist has held a number of leadership roles within several global pharmaceutical companies, was a former Big Four partner, and is currently the Senior Vice President and Global Chief Compliance Officer for Teva Pharmaceuticals, Lori Kweiser. Welcome, Lori. Thank you, Dilip. I'm happy to be with you all. Thank you for including me. Wonderful. My next panelist started her career at a Big Four firm. She has also had several leadership roles within large global organizations prior to joining Amgen. At Amgen, she has had several leadership roles, including Chief Accounting Officer and is now Vice President and Chief Audit Executive, Annette Such. Welcome, Annette. Hi, Dilip. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Lori, I'm going to start with you for our discussion. In what ways is COVID-19 different from other forms of disruption the organization has experienced in the past? Well, Dilip, I really do believe that this is a very unique situation from any number of perspectives. First and foremost, the speed with which this hit was unfathomable to me. I've dealt with SARS and Y2K and investigations, several of them, and this kind of almost felt like it came out of nowhere. So the speed which this hit became a crisis was really very, very unique and left many organizations making decisions at a very, very fast pace. Second thing, I think I've never experienced anything where the impact was as broad as COVID-19 has been. This is a situation that touches everybody. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, where in the world you are, whether you've been in your job for a long, long time or you're just starting. Almost every single person I know anywhere in the world has been impacted by the situation. Another way is the duration. We just don't know. We don't see an end. We don't know when there's going to be an end. I can tell you when I left my Parsippany office on March 13th to head back to Indiana, I thought wherever I was going, I was going to be there for at least two weeks. But two weeks was kind of my time horizon in deciding where I wanted to go. So imagine I'm sitting in that place now six months later and still not really understanding when we're going to return back into a work setting like we used to know it. And then finally, and probably the biggest impact that I see that's so totally unique about this situation is the fact that we just can't seem to get any good data. And the data keeps changing and the treatments keep changing and the numbers keep changing and how we calculate the numbers. And I'm a data person. I'm a CPA by background, so I like data a whole lot. We just don't seem to be getting any good data with which we can make good decisions. So those are at least a few things that I think make this current situation very unique. And I think it makes it more difficult to plan and make decisions. That's very helpful, Lori. Annette, what are your thoughts on this? How do you feel like this has impacted 
build the organization and the industry differently than other disruptions. Yeah, absolutely agree with everything Lori mentioned. And I would add just a couple of things. Everyone's impacted by this. And then the spectrum of impact is so broad. So you may have some millennials or people that live alone that are dealing with isolation right now. And so the personal disruption is so significant, which absolutely bleeds over into the corporate America and the, and the work situation. And then the, the situation is, is morphing. Like Lori said, we don't have good data. We're also learning as we go because thankfully none of us have ever experienced anything like this before. And, you know, one recent study I saw said that in the early days, we saw some productivity spikes as people didn't have commutes anymore. And, you know, many people were just happy to have a job. And now we're starting to see some signs of some impediments to the productivity gains, you know, the screen fatigue, the fatigue with, I don't know how long this will go on. And so, you know, none of us really understand the long-term implications of this environment which absolutely impacts our ability to make decisions both personally and, and at work. And if I'd like to now pivot to looking at our individual functions, as you look at your internal audit function, what are you doing differently at this time? We're definitely having to be agile. Given the rapid stand-up, and Lori mentioned how quickly this came upon us, all companies you know, rapidly set up COVID-19 response teams And there were so many different business model disruptions around the supply chain and other areas. So Audit has had to reevaluate our risk assessment and prioritize real time. We've completely challenged our audit plan, the scope of our audits. And we're also challenging everything we do to make sure it's the highest and best use, not only of our audit resources, but of the client team time. At Amgen, the audit team is involved in all relevant COVID-19 work streams to challenge the processes business resiliency plans, and then also review policy deviation where it makes sense. Uh, We're also increasing our focus on risk of fraud, such as in areas like procurement cards. We're also planning to review IT security as it relates to the increased remote working. For example, security monitoring, the robustness of that as phishing attacks have exploded. Also, the use of personal email or the use of DocuSign or other electronic signing tools, which have definitely increased in this environment. I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think fundamental to this is something you said, which is redoing your risk assessment. I mean, we stopped in the middle of the year and said, okay, forget about the old risk assessment. That's out the window. All the risks have really changed. And if we continued doing what we were doing, we would have done exactly what you said on that, been engaging in a lot of low-value activity or you know, monitoring things or auditing things that we're not really even doing the same way. So we suspended all of our activities, our monitoring activities, many of our audit activities, and redid a risk assessment and tried to look at it through the lens of our new world. What are the new risks? In our compliance organization, a little different than the audit organization, we really had to focus on what does compliance look like in a virtual environment? What will the sales rep be doing differently? What will the medical affairs person be doing differently now that they're virtual? How do we monitor that? How do we assess that risk? How do we make sure that things are going well in a compliant fashion? So redoing the risk assessment was totally key. Lorian and Annette, are there any specific examples that come to your mind as you think about some of the shifts that you've had to make in the last six months 
in being able to adjust the program. I think the risk assessment is a great example of one of those things that can help us drive different types of activities. What came as a result of doing that risk assessment? I don't know about you, Annette, but at least at my company, the first thing we had to address was culture, because for some reason in the current environment, people for a very short period of time, fortunately, believed that the rules got suspended for some reason or other. And we heard a lot of, but this is a crisis, and so therefore we can behave in this way. So we actually had to address culture first to say, no, the rules have not been suspended. No, we can't use pandemic as an excuse to do whatever kind of we want. And we addressed that very quickly, very directly, and we used line management to do so. That was the first thing that we worked on out of the gate. No, I can't agree more, Lori. And, and there was this this adjustment period where all of us hoped that this would be short term. And well, many people just wanted to pause compliance or audit activities. And so work through that, like you mentioned, and then some very tactical things. Now we're having virtual interactions with doctors. What are the guardrails going to be around those? And what are the monitoring and audit activities going to be around those? A proliferation of donations, of course, to support these activities. And so those are some additional audits we had to immediately go into. And then supply chain. You know, we had many audits scheduled in the supply chain and that was an area hit very significantly in our world. And so having to adjust and making sure, again, that we're only focusing on a few key risks instead of doing the audits that we had originally planned. Earlier, you mentioned that as a result of COVID, you've had to be more agile in the way you navigated the audit plan, some of the activities for your team. As you look ahead, do you feel like some of those changes would be more permanent Or do you see areas that you would permanently pivot the function differently as you're moving forward? Absolutely. This was actually a forcing function for us uh, to become more efficient, particularly in our international locations. I had been trying to move to some more remote auditing for our international audits. We had had some mixed success. And so really effectively auditing remotely, not that all our audits will be remote, But being effective in those interactions will absolutely be something we maintain. And then also scoping our audits to the highest risk areas and challenging more effectively for overlap with other risk coverage, for example, with SOX or coordinating even more closely with monitoring functions. Those are real wins where I think we are optimizing our risk coverage that I want to carry forward as we emerge from this crisis. Lori, what are some of the changes that you feel like you might make to both the function or the way you might conduct business as you're moving forward? Well, I think we pretty much operate in a virtual way. We have compliance officers all around the world who support their geography or their function. They were pretty much virtual to begin with. So that wasn't a huge change for us. What's been a huge change for us is our compliance model follows the business model. And so we are participating and partnering with the business very, very closely to help mold the future business model for pharmaceutical industry. And we're looking at this and saying, okay, is virtual here to stay? Will we ever go back to a situation where we make eight HCP calls a day in office calls? Or is virtual here to stay? These virtual congresses on the medical side have been enormously successful. So is that a new permanent model for us, and will we need to adjust our compliance 
policies and monitoring and those kind of things to mirror or to follow the business model. So we're staying very, very close to the business. We were always really good business partners, but it's actually tightened the business relationship or the relationship with the business and compliance because we really are working together to anticipate what the future might look like. I think the other thing that we're working very hard on is watching for where we think the pressure points might emerge. Is it top-line pressure points as a bottom-line result? Is it KPIs that need to be adjusted but haven't been that will create some unintended consequences or erratic behaviors? So we are actually getting very forward into where we think pressure points might exist in the business that we hadn't anticipated. You mentioned the importance of data, and and Ed, you also mentioned the importance of doing work remotely. Can either one of you talk about how you're leveraging data as part of the compliance and the audit process today? We used it to flag areas to focus on. So we immediately built analytics, and we already had a really robust data analytics program, but we immediately built data analytics focused on fraud detection, so to look for anomalies. We would do as part of specific audits before, but we had not been routinely searching for fraud opportunities. So, for example, T&E, predictive analytics of what we expected to occur in this environment, one example. Another example, we immediately looked at non-PO requests to see if there had been a spike or different activity, new vendor onboarding. So we immediately started searching those. I speak to peers. I think that's pretty common to help us guide us in where we should spend additional time. So really have increased an already robust program to do more of these proactive looks for fraud, et cetera, anomalies in behavior. You know, I'll be really honest with you. We haven't quite sorted all of that out because we don't know what data we're going to be looking at. The only thing that we're watching very carefully in terms of data is our hotline data and what we call the Office of Business Integrity. We're looking at a lot of new things that we haven't looked at before. We always kind of looked at employee safety, but we're looking at that very carefully now because we have to protect our plant workers, our clinic workers, people like that. So to the extent that people are not adjusting to the new reality of hand washing and masking and social distancing and all that, we're seeing a lot of things come into our hotline. And so we're just paying attention to that data very carefully, very closely. That's very helpful, Annette and Lori. Annette, as you step back and look at we're about six months into COVID-19, what are some of the lessons learned for you or what advice would you have for other risk leaders within our life sciences space? So one thing, and I'm talking a lot about this to my team members now, and not only the teams that report to me, but the broader organization, it is to make sure you're taking care of yourself. The story is on an airplane when they warn us to put our oxygen mask on before helping someone else if cabin pressure is lost. And I like that analogy in this environment. It is important to take care of yourself but it's hard to do, right? Parents or people that have elderly parents to take care of or parents that have children to take care of or as managers, we're spending a lot of time focused on all these risk assessments and this additional work the environment has raised. But it's really important that this is a, a marathon, not a sprint, and make sure you're recharging, remain agile, and definitely maintain your sense of humor if that's possible. <laughs> 
couldn't agree with that more on that. I think that's absolutely true. I, I think the other thing that we're learning as we get further along in the situation is to look for new and novel ways to be visible. It used to be we could walk the halls, we could go out and meet and greet people, we could travel to affiliates uh, in different geographies and actually I call it breaking bread with people and getting connectivity that way. I think now we have to look for novel ways to create that same level of connectivity because we can't hide in a cave. That's the worst thing we can do. So I think we're doing that. But what I've learned in the last 30 days is it's not good enough to try and create visibility for us as leaders. We have to create visibilities for our teams. We just had a project where we created an opportunity for people across geographies, across functions to get together and work on a project in small groups of two or three people. The positive feedback we've gotten from that has taught us that people are so thirsty for connectivity, for interactions, and it really doesn't matter what the project is or how important it is. But to the extent you can put different people from different teams together and have them work on something and have connectivity that they haven't had before and meet new people and get to know new people, it has just created a new refreshing atmosphere, at least within my team. Those are all very great insights. Thank you both for sharing. Annette and Lori, I want to thank you both for participating in this podcast with us. Thank you all for listening. For more information about our panelists, please see the link on the landing page. And for additional information about COVID-19 and our response, please visit kpmg.com. Thank you for joining us today.